Welcome to Awakening Divine Wildness, hosted by inspirational speaker and best-selling author, Mal Duane. Mal invites you to embrace your divine wildness with powerful conversations with visionary women. Listen in and learn how to move from pain and heartache to forgiveness and freedom so you can live the life you deserve. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so excited about this week's episode because we're going to talk about something that is so important for women and we all struggle with it. I don't care what we do in life. We all have moments where we lack confidence, personally or professionally. And I have the guru of confidence on today. I have to tell you, this is one smart lady, and she is going to enlighten us with her knowledge. Our week's guest is Alyssa DeVere, and she's the chief confidence officer of the American Confidence Institute. And she uses science of confidence to help students and professionals to have higher achievement and impact. She also does research that is shared through keynotes, workshops, peer groups, mentoring, and coaching programs. Her clients include MIT, Wharton, Harvard, IBM, Spotify, Wayfair, Pepsi, the US Air Force, State Street, Staples, the Royal Bank of Canada, and dozens more. And she just told me she's now an advisor also over at MIT. One of the five recognized by Boston Best Speakers, Alyssa is the author of Kick-Ass Confidence, Own Your Brain, Up Your Game, and a seventh book is due out this summer. With prior success as a marketing leader and entrepreneur, Alyssa is a professional advisor also at the MIT Center for Entrepreneurship. She's a trainer at UPenn's Innovation Center and a judge for Women in Business and Best Employer Stevie Awards. She also happily accepts hugs as payments from several nonprofits that give more confidence to kids. Well, lady, I am really excited to meet you and share this time with you. Oh, wow. It's right back at you. Thank you so much. I mean, you have all these wonderful books on Amazon. Um, and what I want to really talk about is kick-ass confidence, because I want to know how do we get that kick-ass confidence. So in your work, you work with men and women. So let's start there. What's the difference between us when it comes to confidence? Well, it's a huge question, right? And I don't want to stereotype or otherwise aggregate because the reality is that in general, women are, are more open-minded to learning how to be more confident. They recognize their weaknesses. They recognize that they can always get better, specifically in this area of confidence. It's not to say that men don't. In general, they you know, overall, again, aggregate there tends to be this kind of protection, this fear that if they admit that they're not confident, then they're not going to be confident. And um, one of my former books, I started with this line, Mal, I think you're going to love it, is that in order to be more confident, you first have to admit you're not. Oh, yeah. And, right? And men, I mean, think about it. We used to joke before GPS days, they wouldn't ask for directions because there's a fear that they could be 
looked at as uh, not quite competent or and subsequently not confident. So there is a protection, there is that wall. Um, but I will tell you that when I speak at mixed audiences and there is an open invitation even for men and women to come, um, the men that show up are wonderful and open-minded and compassionate and gracious and all the things that um, I hope my children, my two boys, um, become great men. And subsequently, um, they're just as engaged. And I, I really do believe in order for women to obtain their full confidence best, we need the help of other women and other men. So, so I don't know if I've answered the differences because that would take us several podcasts uh, to get into kind of the, the details. But at a fundamental level, I think our brains are the same um, in that regard. They have not been able to detect any differences in the brain science behind it. It really is more an attitude um, and a mindset relative to if you want to become more confident, what my institute has discovered and now shares is that it's in your control to become just that more confident. And if there's a will, there's a way. I love it. And so what I'm getting is that women are a little bit more open about the fact how they feel on a scale of one to 10 about their confidence. Men are a little bit more reserved about expressing the fact that they may lack confidence. Yeah. And you're being gentle because some of them, it's not just a matter of reservation. It's a matter of like, get away, leave me alone. I'm fine. Um, and you know, one of the things we do a, a coaching certification and we talk to our coaches about two fundamental things that if you're going to try and help somebody else become more confident, you got to know one is that they don't want to, and you, they really don't want to in the sense that they're making it clear. I don't want this. Um, all bets are off. Um, it just, it's, it's not going to happen. So, you know, banging your head against the wall is going to be frustrating. Um, at, and if not worse, it's going to be defeating. Um, you know, it's really, really interesting when you talk to people about confidence in the sense that it really is in our control. It's not just in our control kind of as a decision that we make sporadically, but it is a, um, a way that we can train our brains to be in that control more often. And it's not to say that you're not gonna have those moments, like you said, where your confidence is gonna go sideways, you get kicked, somebody uh, intimidates you or something happens and you're like, oh. But we do have the ability to train our brains to think in a more confident way and then also to build tips and tools and techniques to give us that armor so for the days or moments that we fall off the confidence horse, we can actually get back on it quick, more quickly. So here's kind of a difficult question. <laughs> Did you ever struggle with confidence in some way as a, when you were younger that this has kind of inspired the work that you do today? Well, let me be clear. You introduced me as a guru, and I'm very grateful for that. But you know what? I do teach in all these great places, and I will tell you, every human being, I to speak to commanders and CEOs and, and highly accomplished people, everybody, including moi, we need more confidence in some days more than others, some moments more than others. Nobody is immune. Nobody has kind of the, you know, woo, the glory, you know, top scale of confidence. We all have to work at it. Um, like any relationship, this is a relationship with yourself and you have to work at it. Now, with that said, your question is, yeah, my God, I had more I can tell you more stories about myself lacking confidence as as a not so much just even as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, um, 
today, yesterday, right? <laughs> you know, I've got a whole treasure trove of them, but yeah. where, um, the, my kind of uh, story that I tell more often in my keynotes was um, a situation that I faced with my son. And he's now 19 years old, but he had a neurological condition diagnosed when he was eight. And it was so serious that the doctors were telling me, and the doctors, mind you, were, you know, smarty pants neurologists and psychiatrists, and they were telling me that he might be paralyzed, he it was a lifelong condition, there was nothing really I could do except to give him immense amounts of drugs, you know, medicines. And the very short um, moral of the story was I was really feeling like I had done something wrong. Like, what had I done? Um, before he was born, what had I done in the first eight years of his life? Like as a mom, I was like, what did I do? What did I, what, what should I have done? What didn't I do? Like constantly questioning. And even more so, you know, why was I being punished? Why was my son being punished? Or why was I being, what had I done in the big scheme of things that this terrible fate had come upon me and my, my family? Um, the, the result was I, fucked up, so to speak. And I said, you know what? I don't think the doctors know. I'm a mother first in this situation. I was also a marketer and that was my career. And I knew that there was all this motivational science that was starting to blossom into the neuroscience field. And so I started asking a lot of questions of these smart people and they didn't have answers. And so I thought, well, either the answers don't exist or they're not asking the questions to get the answers. And it was really the, the latter that started to formulate into this, well, if nobody else is asking and finding the answers, then I need to. And that's why I started the American Confidence Institute, um, found phenomenal um, mind-body solutions um, and answers, scientific answers to how to help my son. And in the last five years, I've been, as you said, keynoting and workshopping my pants off and helping so many other people. And there is no greater, um, calling them that if you can help somebody feel more confident um, but in tangible ways i got a call from a woman um, this week as a matter of fact and i may even cry telling you this is so awesome it was my valentine's day gift from the universe um, i had spoken at a conference and she had a um, an issue with um, a neurological condition with her face and it was really preventing her from even working because it was so distracting to her clients and this that and the other and part of what my talk had done is not only given her some real doctors and resources to talk to, but gave, gave her that kind of buck up and let's figure it out way to do it. And she found an alternative means as well. And on the phone, she was crying how grateful she was that she was able to deal with this and her condition is all but resolved. Oh, confidence is so important. I mean, I grew up as a teenager in, in my 20s, so tall, so skinny, um, you know, just look different than all my friends. I was six inches taller than everybody. And it created such anxiety for me and such a lack of confidence. It was, well, it fueled my alcoholism. I drank to be confident. I drank to go so that when I went out, I would feel like I was funny and attractive and people wanted to be with me. And then finally that didn't work anymore. So I really had to you know, buckle down and get in touch with myself and figure it out and do the the inner work. So how do you teach people to get more confidence? All right, well, some of the steps. 
Yeah, you know, it, it, it's um, that was the, the big question we wrestled with for the first couple of years at, at ACI. We knew that, that there was a way to do it, but figuring out how to do it so that it really not only really worked, but it was practical, right? We, we, lived, we lived crazy busy lives. And I'm sure if I said to you, Mal, or anybody else, you know, take five minutes and do this, you'd be like, yeah, sure. You know, not only because you don't have five minutes, but habits are hard to break or create. So part of what our philosophy is, what our methodology is, is we teach people some one thing that's very, very important and basic, and then everything else is a, is a result of it, which is your confidence is a reflection of how much you stick to your values, right? And what you need and what you want are, again, reflections of your values. So if you know that you want something, whether it's a, a physical thing or an achievement, um, and it's of value to you, and you really understand that, which it sounds like you've been on that journey, right? That's part, probably how you got out of that alcoholism space is really recognizing who and what you wanted to be, not, not necessarily um, a podcaster, but you wanted to be somebody that empowered other people. You wanted to have a good legacy for your own life. When you really are clear on those things, then they, they provide almost the bumpers, the, the guideposts for making confident decisions. And a confident decision can be anything from what do I wear today to who do I want to have relationships with to what job do I want? And those guideposts really provide um, you know, kind of the empowerment. So we spend a lot of time delving into values, delving into needs and wants, understanding how the brain works relative to those things. Because the other side of this is when you understand what how the engine works, you can drive that better, and the engine then not only drives your body and your behaviors, it actually drives the rest of your brain. So we teach people how to take control of that. And these exercises, if you will, are kind of do this, and I'll get let's do one together if, if you'd like. You game? I'm game. I'd love it. All right. So I want you to pick a time in your life that you had absolute joy and confidence that you remember feeling top of the world. Is there? It could be anything, a moment in time um, that that happened to you. Yep. Okay. Can you share that? It was um, when my first book came out uh, in 2012. I felt so overjoyed that I had written a book because I was a kid that had struggled with reading and spelling. Um, and I had to do special reading classes when I was in elementary school, which made me feel like I was a dummy. Mm -hmm. So for me, all of a sudden I was saying, well, I wrote a book. I won five literary awards and became an Amazon bestseller and did this all on my own. You know, I mean, I had a launch manager, but basically I self-published. I was like, oh my God, I did it. You did it. I did it. I was like on cloud nine. And you know, I can see your eyes twinkling. You can't help yourself, but your cheeks are like bulging with happiness. And I can see it. I can just see it. You were on video here and I can just see it. I almost feel it. And so there's a couple things that we just did. One is we created what we call structure. And a structure is anything, a memory, a song, a picture, be a lucky charm but something that reminds you, I did it, right? It's just like you said, I did it. And what that does is it actually allows some of the beautiful neurotransmitters in our body to get stimulated, dopamine and some adrenaline, and it makes us feel really positive. 
it also suppresses some of the stress stuff like cortisol that, that makes us, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough to do it. No, I did it. So it feeds our brain some really good things. It almost makes you want to do another book or do something else, right? I'm doing another one. <laughs> there you go, right? And you got to remind yourself, I did it, I did So structure is really powerful. And you get into a situation where you're going to be, you know you're going to have a stressful situation. Maybe you're asking for a raise or doing a promotion or just having a difficult conversation with somebody. That structure, if you pull that up now and you think about it, you kind of fueled your brain in a good way, right? So it's a really simple technique that we teach, one of many, that um, allows people to kind of be in their happy place without having to do much, right? And that happy place really has some neurological benefits. Um, so that's an example of one that we suggested. Oh, I love it. I, and you know what? I felt my vibration just like really coming up, you know, when I think back about all that happened around that book, it was like so exciting. And um, I'm doing it again in April. So it's April 17th is the release of the new book. And, and it is exciting because it's like something I never thought I would do. There you go. And you know what? By you sharing it here, um, you know, structures oftentimes we use in private. You know, I'm going to stage, I'm going to use my structure, or I'm going to this conversation, I'm going to do my power posing, Cuddy's power pose. Those are all structures, right? Um, we do those in private, but by you sharing it, there was another thing that happened uh, that is a phenomenon um, that people underestimate with confidence, which is it's infectious. And maybe other read, other viewers here, other listeners aren't necessarily motivated to go write a book, but just your enthusiasm, your positivity, you're like, you can do it, I can do it. That's so infectious. And what happens is when we infect other people with confidence, it comes back to us. So part of this, too, is finding ways to share that you know, happy place in a way that you can actually bring that vibration, as you described it, that energy. And what it does, again, neurologically speaking, is my, the mirror neurons that are in our heads that allow us to learn, that are how we figure out to do almost anything in the world. That mirror neuron latches onto your infectious confidence, and it's feeding, again, in my head with some good stuff that makes me feel confident. Now think if you're trying to sell something, whether it's a book or anything, or you're trying to lead people, that infectious confidence is possibly the most underappreciated, underutilized. Um, um, it's like gold. It's you know, it's what else could you do to make other people feel confident about themselves, but kind of infect them with your own? Oh, yummy, yummy, yummy! Have you ever <laughs> had anybody? Because I, I, I meet, you know, I work with a lot of women, and I meet. Some women that say, I have no confidence. I've never had confidence. I'm never going to have confidence. Do you have people that are just so resistant to, to change, to try to get confidence? What well, do you absolutely. do with them? Absolutely. And, you know, again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, um, there has to be a will. You know, if it's somebody who's saying that for attention purposes, quite frankly, we know a lot of them. Um, you know, there's all these behaviors that we've identified that are, um, either signs of not confidence and or ways that people try and make you feel not confident. Um, we call those imposters. Uh, so somebody who, for example, is always um, one-upping you or putting, or, or, you know, oh, my situation's worse than yours. I call those one-downers, right? There's all these personality types. People are cocky. People who are indifferent, um, you know, bitchy for that matter. People who are just 
um, determined to be miserable and make you miserable and or make you miserable, right? I'm not sure, quite honestly, there's much you can do to change them because again, there has to be a will that, um, to be away. Can we acknowledge and manage our own behavior around them and influence them in a positive way? For sure, absolutely. So for example, when you come into contact with somebody who's maybe um, grumpy, you know, curmudgeon, pucker face, you know, always angry, um, one of the greatest things you can do is actually compliment them. And when I say greatest things, because they're so not expecting it. It's almost like, what? Somebody actually is talking to me in a nice way? Because they're basically telling the world, stay away. Stay away. But you break that seal by basically saying, hey, you know what? You, I love that color orange on you. It's beautiful. Simple thing. And all of a sudden, they light up. Can you change how they feel about themselves? You just did a little bit, but long-term different. Again, will there has to be a will for a way. Um, people who do come, though, and like, look, I, I really suffer from confidence and I really would like to have more. Absolutely. Absolutely. If they're willing to, to be vulnerable and they're willing to do a little bit of work, we see it happen all the time. Do you have a strategy that is, um, I don't want to call it an instant fix, but let's say you're going out on a stage or you're going to be making a presentation in front of your boss. Um, is there something that somebody can do like one, two, three, just to get themselves like charged up before they have to go out and do that presentation or speech? Absolutely. Or well, structures is one structures is the best one to be honest with you, because it really is something that you, it's almost like a quick meditation, right? But it's juicing up the brain. Now there's this idea that athletes, professional athletes, high performance, um, sharpshooters and so forth use of peak anxiety and this idea of peak anxiety means you're excited you're energized but you're not completely freaked out it's that balance that difficult that you know it's a, it's a tough balance so part of it is juicing yourself up enough that you get to say okay i'm ready to go but not too much that you're so nervous and you're out of control right so structures can help another thing that really is powerful and it's so bloody obvious is to breathe. Now, we take it for granted, and we say it all the time, particularly if you're into Eastern kind of the methodologies, meditation, yoga, whatever it might be, they're always saying, breathe, 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 breathe. And you're like, okay, 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 but most people don't know why. Now, when you breathe, <clears throat> normally today, we've been talking, we've been breathing, we haven't been thinking about it, right? Because the part of our brain that controls that is not a, really a conscious cognitive part. It is the part that controls things in our body like our heartbeat, like our, like our pulse, right? Like sweating, all the things we don't think about. Breathing is one of them. But when you think about breathing and you take control of it up here in your prefrontal cortex, which is where all your intelligence is, you are giving that part of your brain control of something that normally it doesn't have. And by doing that, you're basically invoking all this beautiful area to be brilliant and smart and otherwise in control of the rest of your brain. Very, very powerful. When you're in yoga next time or meditation, realize that when you take that deep cleansing breath, it is literally giving you control of your brain. Good one, right? Good one. And nobody really has ever described it like that. I've got to be honest with you, Liz. I've never heard anybody say when you take a deep cleansing breath, you're literally taking control of your brain. I've heard, oh, you'll calm yourself down. Oh, you'll do this. You'll, but to take, that's just, oh, I love the thought of that. 
I mean, and visualize it too, right? You're taking it, your brain stems back here. You're taking it out of the autonomic kind of caveman and that kind of definitely caveman behavioral areas. You're putting it here where all your brilliance is. So once you have control of here, then you can start to realize some other things. If, for example, you are tired, one of the greatest fast tips too is to recognize it. To go, you know what? I didn't sleep well last night. I'm tired. I'm nervous. Whatever. I didn't sleep well. I have to go into this meeting or I have to go on this presentation to do this. I'm tired. And so recognizing that, acknowledging that slows you down as well, slows, keeps you in better control because you've acknowledged that your synapses, your neurons are not quite as firing as efficiently as normal, but you are back in control saying, okay, I don't, I'm not full tank today. As a result, maybe I won't speak as much. Maybe I'll listen some more. Maybe I'll slow down a little bit more. Think about this, Mal. It's it's terrifying. But um, Ariana Huffington, who I respect so much, um, did all kinds of studies and found that more accidents are happening on the, in cars because people are tired, not because they're drunk. Because tired makes us stupid, literally. Mm -hmm. It makes our reactions slow, but it makes us not very smart. So. It doesn't, you don't want to walk on stage going, I'm tired, I'm stupid, but at the same time, I'm tired, so I got to slow down. I got to maybe not, again, go full bore, not be that, you know, totally juiced up, but all right, I got a job to do. Um, as far as presentations, too, one of the things that um, I do a lot of presentation training just because I'm a habitual speaker, right? Um, and I and I and I want to throw this at you because what you do for a living is so important. What you know, this podcast and other work that you do is so important that when uh, we get nervous, oftentimes it's because we worry that people are going to judge us. We're worried that they're going to not like us. That's what causes fear in the brain, in the amygdala in particular, and sends it into all kinds of caveman behavior. So part of not just walking on stage, but coming on a podcast. Um, dealing with anyone you deal with is to remember that it doesn't matter what they think about you. You're bringing good stuff to the world and for the people who want it and who people will appreciate it. That's what it's about. And that in and of itself calms the brain down too. That is such a key point because I meet so many people that are paralyzed by the fear of judgment, really smart women that have great ideas. They want to do something but they won't, and I've been one of them. Look at, used to be by being the fear of judgment. Yeah. And, you know, I still have probably a ways to go, but I'm so much more in tune with who I am, what I want to deliver. My intention about everything that I do is from my heart to elevate the consciousness of the women that I bring this to. And so... Over time, that fear of judgment has dissipated, but that's a big one for women. Oh, well, it's a big one for everyone. When we started the Institute, the first thing that we were trying to examine is, you know, how does um, the life cycles and how does that impact? And unfortunately, um, women take this huge hit at age 16, huge hit to our confidence. We actually start very high as kids. You think about, you know, I'm going out in my tutu and you're going to like it, right? But at 16, boom, and boys don't have quite the same hit. Um, hopefully you'll smile at this. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's true. It doesn't fully rebuild until we're 60. 
Oh, I believe that. Oh, I believe that. I'm I'm 71. I believe it. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the sad part for me is why does it take us a lot? Why aren't we doing more about it? So that's what I do. I think we all do. We're all in the business of confidence, trying to give people um, a healthier, better way to live mentally and subsequently through their behavior. But on average, it takes people 60 years, men and women, to get back to get to that point where they're not worried about being judged. I mean, I, I'm tall like you. Know, I'm almost you know, 5'10". And I remember, you know, my mom always saying, stand up straight. You know, I used to walk around like this, hoping that people didn't notice I was so tall, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, from everything that we do, if we look at it and go, you know what? It's just, so what? You, you're short. I'm sorry. I'm tall. That's the way it is. You know, it is what it is. And we finally get to that point at 60. And I, my mission is to try and help people get there sooner. That's fabulous. I know because, boy, when I was 16, life just changed dramatically for me. How so? You know, just being so tall, so thin, so different than my peers, um, so insecure. And so I, you know, alcohol was the only thing that that made me feel good about myself. But that can't last forever. Yeah. So I. Well, it can. Thankfully, it didn't. I know. I've been sober for 30 years. Thank oh, God I finally good. figured that one out. Oh, uh, this I could talk to you all day because I just love this whole oh. conversation. But uh, you've got some fabulous books on Amazon, Misinformed, Kick-Ass Confidence. And you've got a new book coming out this summer. So uh, you're so kind to suggest to the audience that if they go over to the AmericanConfidenceInstitute.com, you're going to have some information for them about the book and getting maybe a couple of free chapters and all that good stuff. And I'll put it all in the show notes, but that is so generous of you. Thank oh, you please. so much. Yeah, my pleasure. We've got some really great free resources on the site and um, we have some new tools that are coming out that are going to be free. So if anyone does sign up for the mailing list, they'll, they'll get all of that good juicy stuff. So Oh, please. love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Alyssa. This has been wonderful. And I've been taking notes for this whole thing so that when um, I start putting all our social media promotion together, I've got, you know, great content here. It's fabulous. Wow. Super. Mal, thank you for having me. Oh, bless you. Wonderful. Just love what you're doing. It's so, so needed. Fabulous. Thank you so much. You too. Thanks for listening to Awakening Divine Wildness. Coming soon, Mal will release her new book, Broken Open, Embracing Heartbreak and Betrayal as Gateways to Unconditional Love. Get VIP access to free gifts and where to get the book on its April 17th release date at brokenopen-book.com.